Do you feel politically homeless? Lost in the chaos of modern politics? Not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season three. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Joining me today, Man in the Middle frequent flyer, Andy Dickey. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back, Andy. I love talking to you because we're, we're, we seem to be thinking along the same lines. I, we're going to get to what's going on in the state of Tennessee right now, Bill Lee, the state of the state and the Franklin Mafia and <laughs> all of the things that are going on out of Williamson County. Uh, that's uh, impacting the rest of us that happen to, to be lucky enough to live in the state of Tennessee. But, Andy, I want to talk, let's start with inflation. Everybody in the country is is talking about the things prices are rising. Yeah, particularly the producer price index. We heard that those mm-hmm. numbers this week, and they've, they've risen significantly. So. About the highest in 40 years. I, I, I w- you would know better than me, but yeah. I, I was quickly glancing through the report at work, and I was making a face like, uh-oh, that's that's not good. It's more than I've seen at least in 10 years. Now, I think it's interesting to note, and we, we saw this on the way into the show today. Uh, Andy and I were together at an earlier appointment, and we talked about all of the new car tags we see out there. So 60% of the new consumer price inflation index is used cars, Andy. Oh, wow. This one. Yeah, I just went you, – you, well, we've discussed this privately before. I just went through this. We My son was driving – uh, we got hit, and the car was totaled and had to go on the hunt for a car. We saw a used RAV4 that was $4,000 more than a new RAV4. Wow. Yeah, and so and the new RAV4s come with a, a surcharge on them. I don't know if they do as of this broadcast, but mm-hmm. they were a few weeks ago when we were, when we were on the lot. So there's some yeah. crazy things going on in the car market. Well, I don't want to give Toyota free advertising, but I'll go ahead and give Toyota free advertising. I was at a car lot here in Murfreesboro this week and there's no new cars oh no the inventory when we were there they said that there were uh 40 some odd car you know yeah. over 40 cars but then if you think there's 10 models that's four each that's four nothing of each model yeah. yeah that's nothing right and it was all used cars yeah I mean and and it's hard to find a used car right now too I mean in addition to that and and it's gone up used cars went up 10 percent in a month that's insane. Yeah. One of the the funniest things, I just recently bought a Tesla, and they're taking trade-ins now. And the way they take the trade, they turn over so many new Teslas, and you were there with me. Yep. They pull that car trailer in the middle lane right out in front of the service center, and as quick as people sign on the dotted line and jump in their car, they're pulling their used car onto the trailer to haul, and it, it, to to haul it off and once mm-hmm. it fills up then there's another one that pulls in behind it out there in brentwood it's insane isn't that amazing yeah i mean yeah they're they're taking used cars like crazy but that's what's driving these latest inflationary numbers was used cars now a lot of folks want to generalize it all they, they don't want to break it down and say well it's just the car market that's impacting this and sure everything's going up but we talked about this uh, a little bit andy is it monetary policy the federal government is spending a lot of money right now. And by the way, Joe Biden really hasn't gotten anything through that he's yeah. wanted. 
that's just the truth. They they haven't gone to budget reconciliation yet. They don't have any sort of bipartisan bills yet. We're still living off of the money that was passed under the Trump administration. That largely, that's correct. Especially yeah. the you know the the actions the Fed's taking right. is pretty consistent with the themes that we saw during the the previous administration. That's exactly right. And so you, you and I were talking about this. So the Feds, what they're really afraid of is not inflation, but deflation deflation which was a shocker to me right most people will find that hard to believe well what happens just to quickly explain for people is that the way they control the money supply in today's economy is not by printing money necessarily in the traditional sense it's introducing new money into the system in the form of credit it becomes real once a large bank goes to the credit window and borrows the money from the federal government and then it starts to make its way through the through the money hard currency yeah through the right. money supply chain and so uh, when the interest rates are really low that encourages more borrowing on the part of those banks and it just kind of um, trickles down there's like a push and a pull that's going on there right. and right. you would think with low interest rates that we would be worried about inflation because we're just awash with money and all the stimulus and things that are going on but the Fed has stated pretty clearly that they think the opposite problem is is what's going to take place because they chose not to raise interest rates this week. Right. And so what they're really thinking, Andy, is that the supply chain is going to kind of settle itself out, that prices on everything are going to stabilize. I think so. And I think Wall Street's really concerned about deflation, uh, primarily because their financial statements are made up by the things that they sell. Right. And if the value of the things that they sell drop abruptly, then mm-hmm. their stock price is going to drop abruptly. And right. It just kind of has a cascading effect. So they have to, this is one of the, the things that Warren Buffett believes in strongly that sort of no, no inflation is bad. Very moderate, one and a half percent, two percent inflation is the, is the Goldilocks zone. Right. And so if you start to get over that or below that, then they start to get nervous. They start to get nervous. It starts to destabilize. Correct. So so let's talk about some of the other things folks are talking about out there. Gas prices, right? That's one of the first things. Joe Biden became president and gas went up $2 a gallon. That's what you'll hear a lot of people say. My, my sister said this to me yeah. th- this past week. And uh, it has nothing to do. I, some, it had maybe some as far as the, the economic policy, but the leading cause of the gas price is OPEC. It's OPEC, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they meet in a room and decide right. what the gas price it's is going to be. It's a cartel. Yeah. And they decide what the price of Last year during the pandemic, nobody was going anywhere. Nobody was buying gas. They're making it all back. Yeah, yeah, and all bets were off then because they were all just trying to move what they needed. It was sort of every man for himself. But then right. when... When times are good, then they say, "Okay, boys, like you know, we need to forget what we did to each other last year. Right? Let's let's be let's be smart about this and that Operate sort of thing." Operate as a cartel. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly what they do, and so that's going on. O- OPEC met last week. They decided not to increase production of petroleum, which means gas prices are, are going to continue to go up. And let let's go back to you and I have said this before on this show, Andy. But let's go back to what inflation actually is inflation is driven by demand yeah i mean and also it's it's a little bit mental as well it becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy when people become uh complacent and sort of numb to prices growing you know you see it in the housing market with people putting in offers 20 or thirty thousand dollars over asking 
nobody's putting a gun to their head and making them do that. Right, they're doing it by choice. Correct, and so we're choosing to play that game, and so that it becomes like a perpetual motion machine for a while. And I've been through that twice now. I never thought I'd go through it here. I mean, I'm not personally buying a house, but you get what I'm saying. I've observed it twice. Right. Once here now, and then previously in Washington, D.C. In in the mid-2000s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Andy, don't we as capitalists, I'm a capitalist. I'm a capitalist. I believe in the free market system. Um, Don't we as capitalists have to accept that inflation is part of capitalism? It definitely is. I I do think it needs to be carefully managed. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a socialist, although I've been accused of being one. Right. I have a life experience that has shown me that when inflation is bad, it's the poor that are hurt the worst. Absolutely. Hands down the worst mm-hmm. because it's those thing, basic necessities of life that really go up in, a, in an inflationary environment. It makes a larger impact the less and, money you have. Correct. It, it hurts mm-hmm. those folks more than anything. So it's our... And I'm also a Christian. I just think it's our, our Christian duty to worry about things like that, people that are less fortunate than us. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We should be concerned about the general welfare of all Americans. Yes, definitely. And ultimately, the entire world. For sure. For sure. I think if you, if you go to a, 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 you know, a particular territory or geography, you know, those exist here in the United States, but also in other countries where people's income is extremely low. Oh, yeah. $12,000 a year or less right. supporting multiple people, they the price of milk matters to them. It does. Yeah. Very much. And sugar and flour. Correct. And, right. Gas, those mm-hmm. sort of things. So yep. we have to care. Yeah, right. So um, at being capitalist, so let me give you an example. In France, I've done a lot of business in France. France subsidizes a lot of their companies whether it be steel or airlines, but you know, and, and they're deemed a socialist country because of their social policies, not necessarily their economic policies. But for me, when you're subsidizing a private company... We do it too. Whether, I know, that's where I'm going <laughs> okay. with this, right? Whether it be cement or whether it be steel. steel right? The aircraft industry. The aircraft industry. The Americans are also guilty of doing the same thing. We subsidize... Petroleum, For sure. I think there is a place for subsidies. So for me, I, I think of the working people first always. Mm-hmm. That's who that's who I always want to put at the, the front of the line. Right. I do think it is important for us to, to be careful about how we do the subsidies and not just write them off completely. Because there are certain things that are in our national interest sure. that we have a core competency in yeah. doing. And we learned that during the pandemic that all of a sudden – surgical gowns and these kind of a things masks and stuff antibiotics right. correct and we don't make them in this country anymore right and the reason why they went offshore is because the financials didn't work right right and so what right. you see you know you see that in canada with milk mm-hmm. and with timber they want to protect those industries because you need timber and milk to run a country yeah to and, live right right and they get living. repeatedly criticized for subsidizing those two markets by the wisconsin dairy farmers and oh, people sure. like that and i feel for them right but at the same time we could flood the canadian market with milk and put them all out of business and now all of a sudden they don't have the ability to produce, produce milk at home milk. correct right right it, it's similar to uh, what you're talking about is similar to the protections uh, big Pharma receives on vaccines. There's a reason why 
pharmaceutical companies are indemnified and protected against being sued over a vaccine. We don't want them to be discouraged in the slightest from making those for us. Yeah, what if we didn't have vaccines? Yeah, it would be bad. Right? I mean, what if now we were still searching for a vaccine in the midst of this pandemic that's still ongoing? And let me tell you, folks, until the last person in the world has COVID, we're all going to be dealing with it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's in New Zealand or Antarctica. It's still going to be a threat and impact what our future of all of us even living here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We see, we see, we've seen it with polio. Yes. So there, are, I'm a Rotarian, and our we have many causes that we focus on. Our many missions. The number one mission still remains the eradication of polio. Mm-hmm. And the average person is shocked to learn that polio is still out there. Yeah. So it's down to you know hundreds of cases in places like uh, the ungoverned regions of Pakistan and right. Afghanistan. Right. But those cases are more expensive to ferret out than any of the previous cases. You could spend billions trying to knock out 500 cases of polio because they're so hard to get it's so hard to get there. You're doing outreaches and outreach in other places like Africa trying to prevent an outbreak because you still have wild polio virus mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And once that's, you know, you have to surveil it you, you know, you have to, oh, yeah. then you have to put people on the ground to start doing vaccinations and yeah. to try to contain it. So to your point, yeah, I don't view COVID as any different from that. Yeah, you can't. And, and think about that, folks. We have entire organizations here in the United States, the Rotary Club, that's dedicated to still wiping out a virus that's been with us for 100 years or longer, it, thousands of years. Who really. knows? I mean, you know, right. there's so many things we, we've had that we didn't know what to call or detect or... That's right. That's right. And to think that um, COVID and COVID-19 and all of the various variants and mutations that this thing is going to go through, but it's going to be a while before this thing burns through the world. I agree. Yeah. And so we're going to continue to have disruptions. Definitely. Okay. And we just have to be, we just have to be adaptable. That's the key. Now let's go back to the inflation stuff. Okay. Because a lot of our stuff comes from somewhere else. As much as Americans would love to manufacture everything here, we can't. We don't, we, either we can't afford to, or we don't have the raw materials. Well, it's also an opportunity cost issue. So people that are very like dead set against outsourcing, mm-hmm. I would ask them to stop, take a step back and look at the bigger picture. So right. if I take a person who lives somewhere in Nebraska, mm-hmm. And I put them to work, you know, filling the blank, making paper towels. Right. Is that a better, is that a more profitable endeavor for that person in the context of society? Or is it making a laptop? Right. Or filling the blank, whatever it is. Because, well, it's like we don't have a row used to say, uh, Andy, uh, we need computer chips, not potato chips. Remember that? Yes, he did say that. But I guess my point is, is that. Every time we have someone doing a low-cost activity, right, uh, that's an opportunity cost of them not doing something more profitable. That we could reap a higher reward from. Correct. Not right. just them personally. People tend to think of it in that way of personally. Right. But in terms of the tax income that they generate and, the, and, and the, the less burden they put on the system. Because many of those low-wage workers are receiving subsidies and assistance from the government that we all pay for as well that's so right walmart don't play, pay their employees enough so they have to get on food stamps so essentially we're subsidizing walmart 
in a case like in, mm-hmm. if there's a case where they're not making enough money and mm-hmm. the government has to step in to, for them to make ends meet, yeah, that's obviously not the most ideal. It's not the ideal situation. And so if you can yeah. offshore those jobs, mm-hmm. but you know, but not have those people unemployed, but them doing higher value activities, because we still need those things. Right. So outsourcing is not an inherently bad thing, and I think that's where some of our friends on the left go wrong. Absolutely. Because yeah. making that sort of high-end paper product, for instance, in another country, they may be over the moon to have that job because it's better than what they would get domestically. Right. So it's a win-win in a case like that. Yes. But the, the, the moral of this story is it has to be carefully managed. It cannot just be left... To, or, uh, to run on its own steam. Right, or profit-only driven, right? Correct. Every company's profit-only driven, but at some point, right? So so w- when you say these things, and I want to go back to my example, but 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 I like to use the um, of car tires. I like to use the example of car tires. There's only certain places in the world where you can get rubber. That's correct. So if we're going to have car tires in this country, we're going to have to go to the Southeast Asia to get it. To get the raw yeah, materials. I think there's yeah, and I think there's some places in South America as well. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to right. shut this you can't place be off. Fortress from, America, correct? There's no survive. such thing. That's yeah. correct. And and a lot of folks think that we can. We've got to change that and show that we are part of this global community, and they are part of us. We may be the best position to get cl- positioned of any country to get close to that. Right. But we'll never reach it. A hundred percent. Correct. So let me get, let me give you my example of inflation. There's a guy in South Carolina that imports cleaning products, cleaning supplies. Um, pre-pandemic, he was paying his his products come out of Shanghai, China. Pre-pandemic, he was paying nine thousand dollars per shipping container of the cleaning products. Now that's just for the container to be loaded on the ship and brought to the United States. Now he's paying $29,000 oh, wow. per container. Now, that doesn't mean that the products inside the container have gone up. And recently, the Biden administration, and just now, a couple of days ago, announced that they're going to look very hard at antitrust on transportation companies, including railroads. Oh, interesting. Trucking companies and shipping companies, because most of the ships uh, are pretty much, a, a, once again, another cartel. That's operating kind of independent, like OPEC is, basically. Well, I think one of the things is the, that can lead to that is the practicality of those businesses. Right. They have to share the Suez. They have to share the Panama Canal. Mm-hmm. They have to coordinate at mm-hmm. these ports mm-hmm. um, so that they're just not bumping into each other and they can all be the most efficient. But that coming together to do those practical things i'm not saying it has but it can lead to other things that are maybe not so good well and i think that's why the biden administration is interested in what's going on now in the defense of the price increases they don't have enough ships right now the demand in this country has skyrocketed for for various goods coming from overseas um they don't have enough shipping containers right now. They don't have enough people at the port in Shanghai to put the stuff in the shipping container right now. When it gets to uh, Charleston, there are 30-something boats right now anchored off the port of Charleston just waiting oh, to wow. unload. I get a shipping report every day yeah. that shows me the ships that are waiting off the port of Charleston. It's an interesting spot. So that's in Mount Pleasant. I built a project right down the street from the or right down the road from the port. Yeah. And if the intersection there at the highway and, and 
that road, and I don't remember the name of it. You just see container, like oh, yeah. tractor trailers running containers out of there 24-7, yes. one after another after and, another. And then when you get to this country, let's say you're lucky enough to you get it here in a decent time, you get it offloaded, there's a shortage of truck drivers in the United States now. Yeah. Can't find enough truck drivers, can't find enough warehouse people. All of this paradigm shift of the economy, it will settle out, Andy. Do you agree with that? But it's going to take a lot longer than most people think. It's not like flipping a switch. I agree. I think some of it's just on a human level. You've been working in a retail job. You wear a a nice outfit to work. You deal with the public. You're a yes ma'am and no ma'am. And then all those jobs basically shift to logistics. That's a different vibe. Right, And so it's not, like you say, flicking a switch and saying, okay, ma'am, you've been wearing this power suit to Macy's every day. Now we're going to need you to go over here and work in this warehouse. Right. Doesn't really work like that. And so while we make this adjustment, there's going to be some pain. Yeah, there's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of pain and a lot of shifting, a lot of pain for companies that are looking for people or that, that you know. What's a, when what's happening? Shift. Well, what's happening at the same time too, because of the struggles that these companies, these logistics companies, are having, um, finding people. It's also creating a greater incentive for them to go with automation and robotics, like with robotic pickers and palletizers and That's that sort exactly of thing. Exactly right, or even robotic, robotically driven trucks. Right. Yeah. We've talked about that several times on the. We podcast. have a mutual. We have a mutual friend that is obsessed with. Yeah. Uh, with the company that makes those, and he's he's researching it every day. He's every very day, passionate about it's it. It's going to happen, and as fewer people want to drive trucks, that's more of an. What you're saying is that's more of an opportunity for the automation of the trucking industry. Yeah, I don't think you know. To your point, as far as where the people are, we do not have a labor shortage. Right. 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 We we might have a skill shortage. We might have a compensation shortage where people are not being paid what they feel they should be paid so they'd rather sit on the sidelines and do something else we have lots of people mm-hmm. um i would say that the other thing that people don't want to come to grips with as it, one of the leading causes of inflation and i think steve lane said it on your show as well is our immigration policy yes and so you know the economy is still not wholly dependent but heavily dependent on supply and demand principles and so if you constrict the supply of labor yes you, you're going to have high, you're going to have higher labor prices. You can't just throw down the gauntlet and say nobody gets in and then expect right. that labor prices would stay the would same. Stay the, not, not only would labor prices stay the same, but we wouldn't all starve to death. Correct. So it's all and it's not it wasn't just the Trump administration, it was many of the administrations that sure, this it's is been called right. a progressive Yes, you know. it's not just right. We, 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 Trump doesn't live rent-free in our head. We've no, no. I mean, Obama kicked a lot of people out and stopped a lot of people from coming in. I think, I think not to make this, a, uh, I think they're linked. I think immigration and inflation are tightly linked. Uh, you know, I read in Helsinki Times today that Finland's uh, finance minister, she said, we're going to have to let more people in. That yeah. is constraining the economy. Yeah. I think we need to come to grips with that as well. Right. And just sort of putting our head in the sands and sand and just saying, hey, you know, I can't get elected by on letting people in from other countries isn't going to work right. for very long. Right. The, the economy is going to change people's minds. I think that. the economy well, will change people's minds. Ultimately. I think where we messed up or where we weren't smart, and I have to put some of this down to 9-11, is that we would have gotten a guest worker program had 9-11 not happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, GW was really, really close to, to getting that deal done. But 
when it didn't happen and then we locked down on security what used to happen is these men would come from other countries they'd work 10 months a year they'd then go, go home. home right they'd be here alone they'd live communally you know three or four guys sharing an apartment or whatever right we made a lot of money on taxes because they weren't filing for ta- you know for refunds because they were afraid to right but then when we started locking the border down they said hey i can't go three or four years without seeing my kids right and so that's when you started seeing the whole families sneaking into the country now they've got to have health care now they've got to be in school and on and on and on and i just think it's one of those law of unintended consequences consequences i think you're right that we're facing and we're going to continue to face well it goes back to the big picture and we've talked about this on podcast before folks if you're listening out there there we've got a vast library of three seasons of podcasts you can check it out we've talked about the demographic cliff before the uh, United States is not the only country facing a demographic cliff. Germany, all the Western developed countries are facing that. And basically what that means is we're running out of people. We don't have enough babies being born. Uh, and that, and that's, that's a natural... To fill the current jobs that are out there today. Yeah, that's a natural con- consequence of affluence as well. It is a consequence, yes. People so, have fewer children, the more affluent that they are typically, yeah, that, right? Yeah, that's definitely a principle. It's mm-hmm. sort of... Uh, it used to be so, you know, when you're struggling and you're living in an agrarian society, you want more kids to help work the fields. Correct. Or even if you're not in an agrarian situation, you, you know, a very sort of familial environment, you want more kids to be able to look after you when you get elderly because there's right. correct yes. because there's no social safety net or whatever. Right. And as people either A, have a social safety net or B, they have more money themselves saved up for their retirement or a combination of the two, right. the need for more kids naturally goes down. That's right. It seems creepy to think about humans in such a macro level about their behavior, but that is exactly that, what, what, what it happens. is. Yeah. That's what happens. So I want to shift and go political here. Now, I okay. still don't want to get to the state of Tennessee. First, I've got to give dibs out to the woke, Candy. <laughs> so uh, we have a Murfreesboro connection, and won't bring it up, but to the recent uh, winner, apparent winner, the next mayor of New York. Yeah, I think. I, and you know what's amazing about that mayor of New York, Andy? He's moderate. Yeah, he is. And he ran on crime. Yeah. Biden, a moderate, was elected president. The new Congress lady from New Mexico, a moderate, okay? Moderates are winning elections right now, folks, not the woke. So I think there's a place for the people that are that are more progressive because you know, Democrats don't own that progressive moniker. You know, progressive is all about innovation and looking to the future. You know, you'll get Republican progressives. That are Republican progressives. Yeah, right. they're they're technocrats. They believe in technology or whatever it is. You know, that's the new hot thing. Right. Um, but I think we need those people in our lives. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they should be running everything or all that the they're time. Capable of winning an election. Correct. You know, we need all the voices. Yes. But when it comes to who are we gonna stand up that can win, when that. When that curtain closes, I don't know. We use we don't use curtains anymore in the voting booth, but yeah, but you get. I'm, I'm with you. No, no, it's right. And and so I've got to look back and think about the insurrection on January the sixth, and that's exactly what it was was an insurrection. And I've got to think we sit now see a Democrat running on crime. I'm going to reduce crime in this city, and when in New York City, anyway, I've got to think that the Republicans have lost the moral high ground on law and order. Yeah, and it depends on what kind of law and order we're talking about as well, because one of the things that they deal with in New York is is vandalism and noise, 
like just really terrible noise at all hours that matters when you're living on top of each other i mean honestly it matters everywhere but you know kids setting off fireworks Mm -hmm. you know on a tuesday in the middle of the summer right and you've got to get up and go to work right these are these are not the only things he was talking about but they are among the things that he really wants to try to do something about right and that really resonated with those people who've had to drag themselves onto the subway exhausted And go to work after something like that's happened. Yeah, and, and it's really practical. It, it is, and and uh, I just have to wonder that if that if the Republicans have lost the moral high. So let me throw one more at you, and then we're going to get to Bill Lee. Which but is, nobody which stopped is it, nobody's stopping them from from running on that, right? Right. No. So it's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's really interesting to see this play out in that race. Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned the January sixth insurrection. That's exactly what it was. There's no other term to be used. It wasn't a two day. It wasn't a field trip for conservatives. It was an insurrection and an attempted coup. Well, they try to disrupt the, the function of the government, you know, a as, key function of the government. All this stuff is coming out from the military about how they were ready for Trump to try that and how they were going to rebuke that. Anyway, it was well, a coup. Well, they brought, they brought a gallows. Yeah. yeah I mean... <laughs> right. You made I don't a Facebook know. post about that, right? Yeah. They, they these br- guys weren't tourists. No, they brought a gallows and... Luckily, they didn't succeed, and they managed to disrupt. They disrupted the process, though. For a time, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the idea that it was nothing is, is wrong, dead wrong. Unbelievable. And yet, a poll was taken this week. 60% of registered Republicans believe that the state of Tennessee should secede from the Union, Andy. <laughs> Good luck. crazy Good luck that? with that. I mean, we've been here before. Imagine if we lost four. Oh, and never mind the fact that 35% of the state of Tennessee's budget comes from the federal government. That means people in California and New York are paying for things in Tennessee. By the well, way. I would encourage people, you can get this information online. A lot of the people that feel that way. 60%. A lot of the people that feel that way live in counties in this state where a huge chunk of the county residents are on some form of public assistance. A public assistance, that's so right. So it, it is a complete... Because there's no jobs. Right, right. And I don't want to name the counties because I don't want to shame anybody because I don't think it, you know, I don't think shame should be associated right. with getting help like that. Right. But it just boggles the mind Andy, could that you they imagine? would be saying things like this when they are the, yeah. I'm talking about there are counties where over half the population is on some form of government assistance. It, it is a dystopic cognitive dissonance exercise. Imagine if Fort Campbell shut down. Imagine if Oak Ridge nuclear facility shut down. Imagine if TVA was dissolved. All of the and, and then imagine us trying to make up 35% of our money just to keep this level of ser- services current in the state of Tennessee. Well, what would be worse taxes. with TVA probably, and I know this is a big sort of hypothetical, but we would still have to buy power for them, but we would buy it at retail rather than yeah, at right. cost because we're no longer even in the we same country. Be, that's right. <laughs> right. Be a different country. So they would yeah. be selling they power. Just what they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's just, it is, uh, to use your um, mental gymnastics, but you use another term, and I'm not going <laughs> to say it on the podcast, but it is an exercise in mental um, cognitive dissonance, right? It just not, it's just not connected with reality. It, it cannot, right. It's just not. I mean, it, you're talking about the complete breakdown of society. Nobody loves so, this state more than me. Right. You know that. I've, you know, even when I lived away, I fought to get back. Yeah. If this, ha- if that were to happen, I wouldn't stay. Right. Of course not. Right. There you have and and I'm not unique. Mm-hmm. 
So you, uh, let's get back to that. Everybody knows we're both natives of Middle Tennessee. You grew up in the city. I grew up in the country. Uh, it's amazing how much we still think alike, though. Yeah, it's true. Those two things that I think that's also a Tennessee thing. I think that's a Tennessee thing. Uh, let's let's get to Bill Lee, Andy. This is really why, what I want to talk about uh, is Governor Lee. Tennessee has made the national news again. I'm, I'm just going to list them off for you. First off, we've had half a billion dollars in no-contract bids that the governor has put out through his Emergency Powers Act because of COVID. The legislature didn't approve it, right? We have the FBI investigation ongoing because of the voucher vote that happened. We have, of course, part of that uh, initial no-bid contract scandal was the sock mask with chemicals that was sent to every citizen in the state on a no-bid contract. You're going to have to help me if I forget something now. And then now we have fired the head of infectious disease control in the state over simply stating what the state law was. She wasn't advocating for this or that. She was right. just reminding folks, what am I forgetting, Andy? Uh, I trip think to the oh, oh, I know what I'm forgetting. Tennessee on me. Yeah, the uh, the the coupons or vouchers for free plane tickets or whatever, yes, or hotels. So for non-state residents, if you want to come to Tennessee on Bill Lee, he'll pay $250 a year. He's visiting ticket. the border with He's Mexico. The border. He's running for president. That's what I keep telling I know everybody. you keep saying, yeah. It seems like it. If I mean, Trump doesn't run, Bill Lee's in the race. Yeah, I think he's delusional, honestly. Uh, of course he is, but, but still, I, you know, I, I do too, or at least I hope most of the people see it that way. I think he's delusional. I think I didn't understand the depth of just what a dummy he is because he seems so when he was running, he seemed so affable and harmless. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's a careful mix of his, uh, he's got some, like a, some sort of a um, aptitude deficiency, just not that smart. Right. Yeah, and then he's right. also not really that nice of a guy in practice. Right. So you take that, that lack of intelligence and put it with him. It's got you, a little mean streak. Correct. And then you end up with this crazy stuff. Yeah. And then he can't even own it after he does it. I mean, he, he refuses to speak to, to the, even own it. Yeah. He won't speak to the press. He just kind of bolts whenever they come yeah. at him. And, well, I would love to see the governor of this state spend an hour with Sam Stockard or spend an hour with David Plazas answering any question that they have. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. It's he, impossible. They, he they hide him. He hides. And it wouldn't be sort of a gotcha thing with him. I think people think I'm trying to be funny when I say this, and I've told you that a thousand yeah, times right. because they laugh, right? <laughs> right. But yeah. I'm not making a joke. There are plenty of people that are low IQ, and we can argue the validity of IQ tests all day long, but that they're a low intelligence, but they sound okay. Mm -hmm. But they don't have deductive reasoning skills, critical thinking skills right. that really intelligent people have. Things that you kind of look for in a governor. Correct. And you miss it. You know, mm -hmm. sort of if you right. don't have sort of in-depth interaction with this person, that's when you usually find it in a case like that is, is, is having that kind of in-depth interaction. I think that is exactly what we're dealing with with him. And if he were sat across from me at this podcast, I'd tell him the same thing to, to his face. Yeah. Right. Really, because right. the the issues we face in Rutherford County, like the landfill, right. that is, the, you've got counties from all over dumping trash there. There is not going to be 
a Rutherford County or a Murfreesboro exclusive landfill landfill it's solution. Going to be regional. It's going to be regional. Yeah. When I see Mayor McFarland hugging people, you know, in photos in the paper and trying to step in and hiring for a study, right. I, that is a big fat joke. And it's a big fat joke because yeah. there's nothing he can do. That's right. It's a regional problem. So when you have a regional problem, the person who is best placed to quarterback it is the governor. Is the governor of the state. But he doesn't have what it takes. No. Nor does he have the time because he's too busy worried about where people are going to the bathroom. Yeah. He's yeah. too worried about, you know, just shutting down things that are life-saving like vaccines and preventing people from having or, that information. Or... or, or much less the Tennessee, the Supreme Court has ruled in Tennessee that this is the law in Tennessee. It is the law. So I'm a person. What we're talking about, folks, is is minors. Yeah, 14 can, and up, going and getting vaccinated. Can make their own decision whether mm-hmm. to be vaccinated, 14 and up. Now, Andy, you've told us, tell, tell the story. I was one of those minors. And so we had a health department uh, facility in Woodbine in the neighborhood of Nashville that I grew up with, grew up in. And I think the fee was $5 or something. Like, I, I had to go get my shots. It was either, I think it was to start high school. I had to have them before. And I was behind on them already because when you have working parents. Your parents both had a job. Yeah. You have working parents. And, you know, my dad had two jobs. You know, they're never around. <laughs> and so I had to walk there, which, you know. Walk to the health department. And if I showed you where this was on a map versus where the house was, it was not a short walk, okay? Right, right. And I was just tickled to do it. In sure. the summer, to walk up there and and have the ability to get my shots so I could start high school. Right. So you didn't need a parent there with no, you? No. You were a minor. Nobody said, yeah, nobody said a word. Mm-hmm. And where do you think I heard about that? Like, you right. know, this How is pre internet. you could do that? Yeah, I heard right. about it through the school. Through the school. They said, yeah, you need to do this. And I said, well, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get there. And they said, well, wait a second. You can, you can get your, if you can get yourself to one of these health department offices then you know i'm like oh there's one in my neighborhood yes so think about the poor people in rural anyway yeah exactly and then you've got a case where you know you've got a kid it's like anything not just vaccines you got a kid who's from a broken home or thing the parents are kooks or something like that or they're drug addicted or any number of things right and they want to do right Mm -hmm. they want to do right they want to protect themselves Mm -hmm. They don't want to hurt anybody else. Right. They can make an informed decision. Yeah, people do not give kids, and, and you know, I use that term loosely with a 14-year-old. They're, you know, they're smart. They're pretty smart. Correct. And mm-hmm. and they can make that kind of decision on their own. Mm-hmm. But then we have this knee-jerk reaction, you know, threat. Mm-hmm. You know, he. I know what he was thinking. They were, the state legislature, those crazies were threatening to dissolve the state health department. Right. And this is the, she was the, the director was the bone that he threw them to get them from stop. From, from demolishing the entire department. But I don't absolve him from that because your job as a governor is to lead and to bring all those people on side. Yes. You know, Bill Haslam didn't seem to have too much difficulty, even with uh, his own crazy legislatures <laughs> that's right he managed to get it done yes it's just a matter of the uh, of that billy doesn't have what He's, it takes does is not a leader right that's exactly simple as that right so so andy that's uh, so we we've talked about kids making their own decisions like for the vaccine how that is a state law and going forward in the state of tennessee if they have stopped vaccines at schools now 
Yeah, and it's, it was uh, adults that were getting. The, yeah, they were. It was adults that were. Yeah, that were getting those. Mm-hmm. So it's just completely illogical. Mm-hmm. You've basically had anti-vaxxers mm-hmm. take over the Republican state legislature, and I think the root of this issue is with their broken ideology. And I don't say I will not paint all Republicans with that brush because I know Republic, plenty of Republicans that don't think this way. Right. But it's getting to the point that I have to include them because they're not speaking up. And that is this, that there are not individual solutions to community problems. Great point. They all think that there's an individual solution for everything. Right. And there's not. Right. Our military is a prime example Rose. of that. I would love to take them to some of the countries that I've visited that do not have a centralized approach to wastewater management mm-hmm. or sanitation and let them tell me that there is an individual solution to that problem. Right, right. It doesn't make any sense. They're off the rails. Yeah. And so we're going to continue until somebody steps up and leads these people back to sanity. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to endure these things. Yeah, and you've got to wonder how much longer this can go on. It's a great question. I don't think it goes forever. I don't think it does either. Because it's so dysfunctional and so silly that it can't go on forever. Right. Because, you know, it's one of these things of, you know, that if you've got this really awkward, annoying guy at the party, he's always going to be the last one at the party because he's just running everybody off one by one. Right, right. That's going to be us. I mean, so no matter what, it's not going to go on forever. So the question is when. Is when. You know, Andy, I was um, visiting with my 84-year-old mother recently, and she was telling me about when my uncle was born, how my granddad had to jump on a horse and ride to the only house in the neighborhood that had a telephone to call the doctor to come deliver my uncle. Wow. This was 80 years ago in the state of Tennessee. It was a third world country. Yeah, and there were phones, right, obviously. But FDR and TVA and the federal government transformed this state. Yeah, but his name's mud with a lot of people nowadays. And We've in the lost last it. generation or two, we have forgotten who we are. We have, yeah. Yeah, and I think whenever, whether it's a group or whether it's an individual, if you're going through some sort of an identity crisis, Mm -hmm. it leads to poor mental health. Yeah, right. You know, if you're not honest with yourself about who you are or just not honest in general, if you're a person, you know, people get depressed from that. People, there's anguish involved. Well, I think it happens with groups too. And I think that's what we're seeing. We've got, we've got, we're having an identity crisis. You know, it's all about talking points and dogma and not anything you know, practical. Yeah. It's nothing practical. And so we're just in a, like Jimmy Carter said, a malaise. A malaise. (laughs) We really are just a malaise. Yeah. It's a great malaise. Mm -hmm. I just have to wonder, um, other folks in other parts of the country. I mean, why is Bill Lee trying to encourage tourism to Tennessee? And, 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 you know, we should have come up with some kind of, you know, fancy slogan. Hey, Come we have didn't your need bachelorette it. party in Nashville. Take home a lifetime gift. Well, you saw it. It's crawling with people. I mean, yeah, we oh didn't yeah. really need it. If yeah. you look, the the one giveaway uh, that that you don't need it is the price of hotels down there. Right. It's hard to find a hotel anywhere near downtown for less than three fifty a night. Right. And so, with those kind of prices, introducing these vouchers. 
yeah. into that is only going to drive them up. So I'm sure the libertarians of, that we know that listen to the show are yeah. it's going to make their head explode because well, when so. you inject cash into something like that, yeah. it does have the effect of raising prices more, more still. So right, what would you do? Right. Oh, you'll pay five fifty instead of three fifty. Correct. Sure, we'll take yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, I just it's just misguided, and I just don't know how much more the state of Tennessee can take from the Williamson County Mafia, Andy, because that's what this is. If you look at a lot of the headaches, yeah. I mean, we have our own problems here. And so if, it, it, what I mean by that is that some of these kooks, when, when people here locally were running— they were having the they were importing on the right they were importing the kooks to come knock doors with them and all sorts of stuff charlie baum had phazon with him oh yeah you know oh, and yeah, phazon's running right. down, down the infectious right. diseases are and then someone jumped into the comments and said hey you got your vaccine at walgreens at the arcade in nashville right the same time i did yeah. so why are you out yeah, here trying you're to vaccinated, but yet you're right. Yeah, you're not promoting it for other people, but you did it for yourself. It's because they're out of ideas, Andy. Probably, yeah. Yeah, they're out of ideas, and they don't have anything that doesn't cost money that they might want to introduce. Yeah. So anyway, I, I'm just in a real. Um, we we continue to wonder where the bottom is for the state for natives like me and you who love this state and have seen this state grow exponentially. And we, listen, we, I love having people move in here, right? I mean, I think it's great that people want to visit, that people want to live here, that we have the jobs to support them to live here. Well, this is happening in spite who, of... We're not who we used to be. We're not, but this is happening in spite of... So what's happening in places like Davidson County, Rutherford County, Murray County, they're they're happening in spite of these people, not because of these people. Right. You know, if you ask the county mayor of Murray County why all this is happening, he's a huge fan of himself. Oh, he will. He's, he's going to run a primary against Lee. He is, yeah. and yeah. he will. He will tell you it's all because of him. When yeah. I, when in practice, if you go down on the square in Columbia, or if you you know run around Murfreesboro on a weekend and bump into people at the alley. These people are coming here in spite of those folks, not they because are. they're 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 looking the other way, and they will express genuine shock and dismay at this stuff on Facebook, right? On Twitter, right? In church, sure. You know, at a at a neighborhood get together, they're like, could you believe they did this? Well, don't don't base it on that. Just you, ignore it. You know, right? It's right. in spite of, not because of. Right. So we this is what I remember that we missed, Andy. And we're gonna we're gonna get through this and then we'll wrap it up. We've gone about an hour. So if you've hung with this podcast for an hour and it's been a really good one, now you're gonna hear something that you probably won't hear anywhere else or you heard here first coming. So this uh, this lady that was the doctor of infectious control uh, for the vaccines in the state of Tennessee that was fired for no cause from the state of Tennessee, she's married. And her husband just happened to be a candidate in the Republican primary against Glenn Casada in Franklin in the last cycle. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, Billy's, Billy's buddy and hatchet man. Yes. And bag man, so to speak. So if you don't think there's more to this, the fact that the lady's husband ran against one of the political insiders from the Williamson County Mafia, that's exactly what's going on, folks. You She's impressive, though. I have oh, to give yeah. her that. She was on every CNN. network. I yeah. mean, the yeah. governor did not know what hit him. No. It, and it just goes to show you just how incompetent he is mm-hmm. that a woman in her position can... Draw ma- that kind of attention. Can draw that kind of attention, execute that kind of a PR plan. 
right better than the governor could right it says it all he he could never ever put anything like that together Together, right in a short amount of time exactly i think this ends up probably in a lawsuit from her that'll be settled whoever sent her that muzzle via amazon Mm -hmm. i hope they have a good lawyer Mm -hmm. because they're going to need it and it's going to come out who it is if they thought for a second that they were able to do that secretly right no way right no way so we got an election coming up, Andy, and it's almost election time. Where you and I are starting to hear from from some of our political friends, everything's yeah. starting to rustle around again. Um, the, the, do we have? Do the Democrats have any chance of picking up any seats this next cycle? Um, I mean, Heidi Campbell really surprised us, right? She did, and she did it in spite of in spite. I mean, in spite of the Democratic Party. I'll just go ahead and well, say it. You know, yeah. like when when um, when Tep came out and d- endorsed her Republican point, impo- like the Tennessee Equality Project, endorsed her Republican opponent. Correct. Right. Yeah, I, w- I love to see her win. Yeah, in yeah. that way, and she won it um, in a grassroots fashion. Mm-hmm. And she wanted, in spite of the state legislature architecting that district in a way to make it go Republican, it sort of rings right. Davidson County where where the few Republicans are. Right. And she still won. Right. So I just can't say enough good things about her performance in that election. It takes that kind of a person to win mm-hmm. in the right places. It so does. Hamilton, mm-hmm. Montgomery County, right. A race like hers, Smyrna, Laverne. Mm-hmm. I think it's wrong to sort of cast a wide net and try to pick up seats that way. I think we've got to build very targeted, very targeted and build it back piece by piece by piece. Right. Now I understand that the, 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 the democratic party leadership can't come right out and say that and discourage somebody from Houston County that wants to run. Right. I don't mean it like that. But where do you put the resources? Correct. Strategically, Mm -hmm. they need to put the resources in like that because people like a winner. Right. And what winning one, two, three seats in the state legislature shows is that we can do it. Right. And it starts to attract people that, you know, thought normally vote. Correct. Or they thought it was a lost cause. Right. And it's particularly in the House. It's such a short cycle. Right. That's two year cycle. Correct. So you can start to build some momentum, a little bit of momentum, especially with the House. Yeah. Correct. That's so, what I would do. But, of course, you know, I'm not the state chair, and I'll leave it to Hendrell Remus to, to yeah, make those gonna, decisions. We're visit with Mr. Remus here in just a little bit. So, yeah. yeah. And, uh, anyway, we li- I, I personally like the direction Hendrell is taking the party. I do, too. I like Hendrell as a person. I think he's a good leader. Definitely. I think he's balanced. And Anyway, um, so I'm one more thing, Andy. We've got redistricting. And we're talking about the elections coming up next year, whether Democrats have a chance to gain a little bit in the House based on this craziness going on from the other side should give us a chance. But um, redistricting's coming out due to the pandemic, due to the administration, prior administration, there's a delay on the counting of the census. And so there's gonna be a delay in the redistricting. But the biggest part that could impact Middle Tennessee, and you've been telling me this for a while, they're thinking about take, figuring out a way to take Jim Cooper's seat away from him in Nashville. They're trying, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're definitely trying. And that would trying. be busting up Davidson County, putting part of Rutherford in it, something like that. Or it would be some sort of where they could bleed out the Democrat vote, so to speak. Yeah, I think what it is is that we would not give up a seat per se. Mm-hmm. But they would shift the seat sufficiently east 
such that it protects it to protects the balance of Rutherford County. So basically right off Laverne or Smart and or Smyrna or chunks of Smyrna at least. Right. And get the district such that Jim Cooper's house isn't in it. Right. Right. And so to just disrupt it disrupt things that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that because people forget the value of incumbency as well. And so if you can take the incumbency out of the equation that right. further assists whoever is going to try to run. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. And I don't see him, and I may be wrong, as the type of person to just take up residence in Antioch or whatever just so he can, can maintain his seat. It's just not – I don't, you know, I'm not a Jim Cooper fanboy, but right. it, it just doesn't seem like the sort of person that he is. Right, right. Um I don't see him as the kind that's going to lay down without a lawsuit if there's some kind of craziness going on, either in conjunction with the ACLU or whoever it may be. Well, he's got the intellect all on his own to sort of piece together what his case might be in his, mm-hmm. on his, you know, on his own, and, and and he knows the right people to represent him and that sort of stuff. And, so, and, and given what we've seen from the other side, there's no telling what they may try. Well, I mean, it's hard to may... break up Nashville, and I'm surprised they yeah. got you know. I'm surprised they're, that they're that they're going to try it, but I've heard from all sorts of places. Oh, we've that, got all kinds of sources telling because us because there's so much, so many things that they have said on the record mm-hmm. running Nashville down. Right. So when you when you do that, you are creating Nashville as a political entity mm-hmm. in doing that. Right. I mean, I'm thinking about how I would argue before the U.S. Supreme Court over so that you you people who have voted on this redistricting right. have time and again. Set Nashville up in the lexicon as as a political entity, and now you want to break that political entity up. Right? Why? Right. And then it, then the burden is on them to explain why what the rationale behind what the course. rationale. Yes, and I don't think they can do it. Right. I, it's going to be interesting. I'm I, you know the congressional seats are the ones that I really like to watch because they're so crazy, uh, the way that they're drawn now. So it's going to be interesting, particularly to see. the fourth. Uh, yeah, the fourth I, district's crazy. You know, this is that 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 is a story in resources, mm-hmm. or a story of resources, because that very same argument could be made about the fourth. Why in the world is Rutherford in there with Pikeville or with Cleveland? Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, they're just the lifestyles are completely different. It's a completely different culture. Everything's different, right? right. And so, if someone had the resources, they would have challenged it already. I yeah. think. Yeah, I think so. So that's curious. That, that we'll be watching that too on the next because if you're going to challenge this, this redistricting plan will last for the next ten years until the mm-hmm. next census is taken. So if you're going to challenge it, you need to challenge it early. Don't wait until year eight to challenge Correct. it. Challenge it now. And I think Jim Cooper's smart enough to know that. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. He's an impressive gentleman. I mean, you know my passion about municipal power cooperative power he was definitely right on the front lines of that whole issue yeah and for the same reasons i got passionate about it it's just a great nerd issue and he he's one of the greatest nerds in the the u.s congress i mean i i I really admire the guy you know i don't think i i don't i wouldn't put him up for sainthood or anything like that but he's definitely sort of uh the a bill gates type of a congressman a thinker you know like he's not bombastic or yeah steady he's not bombastic he's not trying to get headlines or anything like that he loves to grind out an issue and read everything he can on it and that sort of thing right we need more people like that of any 
political persuasion. It doesn't matter which political correct come from, right? Yeah, more scholarly correct representatives. Yeah, Andy Dickey, Andy, anything you'd like to leave a, the Man in the Middle podcast audience with today? I'll just be kind to each other out yeah, there. That, I like that. that. Yeah, be I, kind. I be kind, and um, it doesn't mean let people run all over you or right. whatever. If if somebody's talking down vaccines, let them know you think they're wrong. But but be kind about it. You're an amb- whatever issue you're advocating for, you're an ambassador for that issue and uh, kindness matters and how you deliver it really matters. Absolutely. Andy Dickey, thanks for joining us again uh, on this week of the Man in the Middle. I'm Stephen Reynolds and I'll see you next week.